0: from Loyola University Chicago School of Law and WLUW, this is The Podvocate. We are law students exploring the vanguard of the legal world with experts from our backyard and beyond. My name is Ben, and I am a 2L here at Loyola and an associate editor with The Podvocate this year. Today, for my inaugural episode, I explore public defendering in the city of Chicago. I, along with my guest, Cook County Public Defender Sharon Mitchell Jr., discussed the role of a public defender both inside and outside the courtroom as an advocate for reform to our legal system. Cook County Public Defender Sharon Mitchell Jr. began his six year appointment in April of 2021. The Cook County Public Defender's Office is one of the largest unified public defender's offices in the nation with nearly 700 employees and 23 divisions and units. Sharon began his legal career as an assistant public defender and later joined the Illinois Justice Project, becoming that organization's director in 2019. During his tenure as director at the Illinois Justice Project, Sharon helped lead the Coalition to End Money Bond's successful effort to outlaw wealth-based pretrial incarceration in Illinois. Subscribe to The Podvocate wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about this episode and our guests, please visit our website at thepodvocate.com and check out our social media pages as well. Sharon Mitchell Jr. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Ben. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yeah, man, this is my inaugural episode. I'm like, very excited to have you. I think all of our listeners, uh, at least my mom, I think everyone's, <laughs> everyone's going to re- be really excited to hear to hear what you got. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Let's get into it. Um, I just want to start with a quick question. I just want to give, you know, bring you down to earth a little bit. I, I was hoping you could share your favorite class in law school and why
1: oh man that's a tough question I had uh, a lot of good classes so I'm gonna I'm gonna wimp out and not give you a specific class but I'll tell you like kind of like the the structure you know I, I love any class that got me out of like the traditional law school uh, setup uh, there's definitely a time and a place and value of lectures uh, especially early on in your, your kind of law school career. But I definitely got the most joy out of classes that allowed me to mimic the stuff I'd be doing as, a, as an attorney, right? So whether it was stuff in the courtroom or classes that really asked us to really, uh, you know, conduct the strategic process you would as uh, you would be as a as a you know, advocate, uh, for me, a, a trial attorney, uh, those are classes, those are classes I like the most. So those classes kind of came in, you know, the end of my law school career, my third year, my second year, uh, the more the practicum classes. Um, I definitely also love trial advocacy and, and that stuff in mock trial. Uh, I was a high school debater. So uh, I, I, I sit pretty easily into that, uh, that stuff. So yeah, those are the things I really enjoyed the most.
0: Yeah, in, in his spare time, Sharon, you sit on the board
1: of the Chicago Debaters, right? Yeah, Chicago Debates, which is the organization that organizes high school and actually grade school debate here uh, in the city. So I uh, really love uh, giving back to an activity that uh, really set me up for success.
0: Yeah, so suffice to say, 1L year was not your fave, but 2L it gets better.
1: It gets better, yes, to everybody out there. You know, law school is really funny in the sense, at least for me, where it was like, really bad at the beginning, and then the middle was a vibe, and then at the end, you're studying for the bar, and it gets just as bad as it was the first time, so uh, enjoy that middle, and and you'll survive uh, both ends. You'll be fine.
0: So, you know, for listeners, you know, I was hoping, you know, you could give us a little bit more of your background, your origin story. I know I introduced, you know, some of your background in this introduction, but, you know, while in law school, you know, what specifically sparked your interest in public defense, specifically leading into you taking a job in the public defender's office immediately
1: after law school? Yeah, you know, I, I think it really starts with my background. I grew up in the city of Chicago, lifelong um, Chicago and South Side resident. Um, you know, definitely growing up was able to, I was able to see kind of how uh, the criminal legal system interacted with my community, and early on, I I, I really I think um, had a unique perspective. Uh, as compared to others that joined law school. Um, You know, I uh, had a family that was really into talking about the things around you. Um, Debate definitely helped with that, thinking about the things around you and how uh, systems interact with your everyday life. Um, I had the opportunity to kind of be a a, a kind of a real baby lawyer in fifth grade. Uh, We had a little court system uh, where I got a chance to uh, play the role of a defense attorney and really enjoyed that. And, you know, growing up, I really realized that um, I was just lucky. Um, I was lucky in the sense that I had uh, two parents that provided for me a platform to be able to seek higher education. Um, And I had uh, always knew that I was just it was just dumb luck. So I, I wanted to have the ability to take that dumb luck and cash it in for my community, right, and and, and playing a role in the criminal legal system, um, a system that I believe to be uh, just creates these out, unfair outcomes for people that look like me. Um, it was just a great opportunity for me to do that work. So um, early on, I kind of realized that you know public defense work was the work for me. I wanted to work in the criminal legal system, but then we'll talk about probably later that I really found that the best way to do that work was uh, working as a public defender.
0: That's so interesting. And I think that, you know, what's, you know, hard, just like college, I would imagine for so many students, but what's hard for law students as well, right, is to kind of get there. You don't have as much time as college, right? It's three years, it's more professional based school. And it's kind of hard to figure out what you want to do. So it's really nice for people like yourself, right? That kind of, they know the direction they want to go in and public defense felt like, right, like that was your calling in a way.
1: Yeah, you know, I, it's, it's definitely tough. You know, people don't find exactly what they want to do um, straight off. And I think that's one of the things that lends to the pressure of law school is people think that they have to figure it out. And while um, I had a very particular um, kind of uh, pathway, that's not the pathway that everybody goes through. I think of my wife, who I met in law school, who like didn't really find you know, had, you know, really great jobs, but didn't find like the career that she's going to be in, like for a very long time until five or six years after after law school. Right. So this idea that you've got to figure it out, like right now is something that we, I think, teach law students has to happen. And while it could be beneficial to think about things early on and find your place early on, that's not the way it has to be. Um So, you know, I was lucky. But, you know, there the people find success uh, in lots of different ways. There's not one blueprint for uh success that you can find that in a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah. So he found his love for work, but also the love of his life in law school. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There one you of go. the one of the most romantic love stories out there. <laughs> so I'm just curious as well, I think that, you know, you you mentioned briefly, but during your summers while in law school, um You know, I assume you worked at the public defender's offices in Cook County, right? And that's kind of what let you see how the work is done on a day. It's, you know, it's easy to romanticize the work, but when you see it done in person, I think, you know, that changes a lot of people's perspectives on it. It Motivates people. Sometimes it scares people, right? So um, mind just speaking a little bit about, you know, your experience entering there before you started full-time?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm incredibly biased, but I am an alumni of the uh, Cook County Public Defender's Office office. uh, intern program. And uh, the thing I liked about it the best was that it got, it gave me the ability to figure out like what this gig is, right? Uh, I'm not going to sit here and lie to folks and say that being a public defender is for everybody and that it's easy work and you should come, everybody should come in. Um, I think it's one of the most incredible jobs you could have. I think um, I'm going to leave this earth knowing that I uh, made life better for a lot of folks that didn't get the fair shot that they deserved. Um, but it is intense, right? It is you're dealing with um, you know, a lot um of really intense stories. Um, obviously the caseloads um while not as bad here on Cook County as there are in other places in the country, are are also intense. And it's you know, it takes a particular person to be able to be on your feet and be litigating and it's not kind of a job where you kind of sit in the office all day and get to think about for weeks and weeks and weeks or months and months and months, an argument is something that you're really up doing it. So it takes a particular type of person, a particular particular type of perspective to do it. And the cool thing about the internship that I you know, had my first year or my, after my 1L year in the summer was I got to figure out what exactly that work was, right? I got to shadow a public defender, um, now uh, uh, Judge uh, Preston Jones, and I got a chance to do all All the things that he does, whether it's interacting with clients or prosecutors or judges, you know, being in court, you know, going to the jail, uh, being back in the office and talking strategy. Um, I left that internship with a love of public defense. That's what I wanted to do. Um, but I also knew exactly what it meant to be a public defender, right? It's not exactly what I would do kind of starting off. Your role starting off is going to be a little bit different than a public defender who's been doing the work for 20 years, but I knew what it meant to be a public defender. And I think that's so important um, for internship, right? Really learning about uh, what you need, right? What it it takes internally uh, to do this work, which I think is so valuable. You know,
0: the Cook County Public Defenders Office internship, is just so hands-on and it's active and it's fast paced. Right. And it's just, I think I can imagine that could be overwhelming and not in a bad way. Right. Just, you know, at first it's good to get your feet wet and to kind of see what the work is like before, you you know, really commit to it.
1: Yeah. That's why I think you put it perfectly that obviously as you get your 7-Eleven license, you get the opportunity to actually, you know, argue cases and things of that nature, which is also another benefit as well. So I think you put it perfectly. It really gives you an opportunity to figure out what you want to do um, I think one of the cool things that we've done in the last couple of years is really give people a say in what type of work they want to do. Um, so as you said, the Cook County Public Defender's Office is one of the largest public defender's offices in the country. And we do a lot of different types of work, right? Whether it's, you know, working on felonies in the city or doing work in the suburbs, administration uh, practice. Uh, we have a forensic science practice. Uh, there are lots of different things that you can do at the public defender's office, even an emerging policy practice. And you you get the opportunity to really do, you know, intern um, in, in any of those, any of those places. And, you know, it's the opportunity to find your way. Um, it's, it's, it's exciting to me. I mean, that's,
0: that's amazing. And I think that, you know, not every case is different, but there are categories and it just gives
1: attorneys an ability to advocate in such a specialized manner. Right. You know, for me, it was really cool in the sense that I got a chance to intern at the public defender's office, um, I think I did three stints, one in my summer after my first year, I did one during the school year, um, and then one, I think, after uh, maybe my my last year in 3L year. Um, it's a little foggy because it, it was it was a time ago, um, but I also got the opportunity to do other things, right? So I interned at Cabrini Green Legal Aid, I interned at Lovi and Lovi, which is a civil rights firm. And while I really enjoyed that work, I think I did learn that public defense and working as a public defender in Cook County was a thing for me. So I also encourage people uh, to do different things, and you know sometimes that can happen internally in our office. We have interns that kind of intern at different sites, but sometimes it's interning in our office and doing some other things. So you get to really feel uh, about what you um what you, what's 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 right for you um so you know lots of opportunities out there so
0: just kind of moving forward again in your path. so you graduate from and I don't think the listeners I have, I've shared it's not a secret yeah. so you went to DePaul Law School you went did Law School. not yeah. Loyola
1: but not DePaul. Loyola yeah it was not it was not blessed enough to go to
0: Loyola I went to DePaul no, we love DePaul. We love all Chicago. We love all Chicago law schools here at the pop kit. We do not yeah, discriminate. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I don't
1: want to part any type of inner law school gangbang or anything like that. Like I, I, I love all law schools. No, we, we,
0: we, we love all <laughs> law schools. We do. So just kind of moving forward, then you graduate, yeah. take the bar, and then you start as a trial attorney in the Cook County Public Defender's Office. And how yeah. long were you there for? <laughs>
1: Yeah, there was like a little break there because I, I had to wait to get my, um, there were like some, you know, one of the kind of downsides, Not I don't know if it's a downsides, it's just one of the realities is that, you know, vacancies aren't always open in our office. So, you know, here now we we interview like twice a year, um, but just the way it went down, um, I had to wait about like nine months to a year. I can't remember. I should, I should remember. Um, so I was just kind of working for private defense attorneys between the time. Uh, I got sworn in and I had to wait a bit, but my first kind of full time job um, was as a public defender. was in Cook County, um, and I did that work for about seven years. Um, you know, a couple years as a clerk before that, but seven years as a full time defender. You know, got a chance to work in a lot of different spaces. Start off my career uh, when we called then civil defense or abuse and neglect, we now call family defense, uh, representing mainly mothers who are in the proceedings with the state DCFS. Um, They've been accused of abuse and neglect of their children, and it's kind of one of the saddest, most broken fields that we have. It's a parallel kind of sister um, system to the criminal legal system. The child welfare system is really broken, and all the things that exist in the criminal legal system, the uh, racism, the classism, uh, exists in that system. So I got a chance to do that work for two years, and it was really awesome in the sense that Our work, uh, it's different than criminal work, but it's related, but also it's got those civil kind of aspects as well, so it's not as, like, on your feet as, like, a criminal um, position is. Um, It's more kind of long-term, slow-moving litigation Um, But there's also lots of complex allegations. So in my first two years, I got an opportunity to do four trials involving experts on both sides. So both hiring experts um, and cross-examining experts, identifying experts. Um, It was a really, really, really cool experience for somebody so young. Um, So I did that work for two years. And then for the next couple of years, I worked in our misdemeanor courthouses. We call it uh, First Municipal. But I got a chance to work on the north side and the south side at 51st and Wentworth and then uh, Belmont on Western and really got a chance to learn how to become a trial trial uh, trial attorney, right? Um, did lots and lots and lots of misdemeanor trials, cross examine a lot of officers and complaining witnesses, interviewed, you know, did directs of my clients, um, some people would call them low stakes. I don't think they're low stakes, just because they're misdemeanors doesn't mean that they're not important to the people involved. Uh, but certainly, these weren't cases in which people were going to go to prison for decades and decades and decades, right? I think sometimes us as a defender defenders kind of put pressure on ourselves, and we know, and we should, right? That the the, the consequences can 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 result in a long prison sentence. but you know for those couple of years uh, I worked in the misdemeanor courthouses and really got a chance to really sharpen my craft and it was a, I think it might be the best two years actually of my public defender career because I got a chance to really try so many cases. and then after that I kind of graduated to the big leagues, uh, went to the felony trial division in the public defender's office represented folks on serious felonies um, and um, that was kind of my public defender career and my first stop at the public defender's office
0: you know it's always scary to be thrown into the deep end when you start a job yeah. and that's not to say that you know when you started in the in the family uh di- family division you know it's not that the stakes weren't high i mean the stakes are high but it's nice to like you know s- you know move you know throughout the teams you know until you get to you know those more serious maybe more violent felonies where you know people are really facing you know life life behind bars
1: yeah, it was a good opportunity, and I I just want to take a step second to to really promote or not promote is not the right word but talk about the family defense work. Um, it isn't always like the first destination for somebody who's acute for somebody who comes into our office, uh, and it's really can be a career path, right, a full career path with kind of graduated steps, just doing family defense work. And for those who are interested in family law, uh, I think there's a really emerging kind of narrative around how broken the you know, the family, or how the child welfare system is, it is a great place to do work, right? You can do that just for your entire career in the public defender's office. And we are blessed that we have lots of defenders that, you know, some are like more like a traditional law office where they may, you know, stay for five to seven years, but the vast majority of our defenders actually stay their entire career in the public defender's office. And you can do that child welfare work, not have to worry about criminal work. Um, And it's just a really great, great place to become a great advocate Um, and do work that's really important. You know, at the root of it, right, is like the
0: effect that, you know, a criminal record or pretrial or post-trial incarceration could have on families and loved ones. And it's just really cool, this team, you know, obviously, you know, you're working for the clients, but, you know, at the same time, you're really focusing on the impact that, you know, the system has on, on their families as well. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, you know, now I'm just moving into it. So, you know, we'll get back into, you know, your, your time at the Illinois Justice Project. I know that, you know, after about seven years at the Cook County Public Defender's Office, you left to, you know, pursue, um, you know, policy advocacy from the nonprofit uh, perspective, right? But then in April of 2021, you got a call, I imagine. And uh, I just want to explore a little bit about, you know, your path to leadership in this office. So, you know, as you transitioned back to the Cook County Public Defender's Office, you know, what, what was that transition like? And, you know, when you got there, you know, what were your immediate priorities?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's a, it's it's kind of a, a unusual path, right? I um, was a public defender uh, for about seven years. I went to the policy space and worked at that place for about the same amount of time. Um, and, you know, was a part of some really, I think, impactful uh, justice reforms and got a chance to work with you know, lots of different stakeholders, whether they're in government or outside of government. I think the most exciting thing I got a chance to do was really work with organizers and learn about the power of organizing. And uh, we can talk about how the organizing um, led to some really incredible reforms, really got a chance to become a movement lawyer or try to become a movement lawyer uh, during that time. But I came back to the office, you know, I knew when I left the office the first time, I loved being a public defender. Um, I, um, but I, I, the reality was I was frustrated in the sense that there were things that I think were bugs or described as bugs that were really features, right? Uh, there were things that I learned as a young Black man growing up in the city and then learning as a young public defender that I wanted to take those perspectives and try to change uh, um, the criminal legal system. Um, it's probably a little bit naive, right? Like I basically Googled like, criminal justice reform, like. I did that too. I did that too. (laughs) There's probably a more strategic way to go about it. Um, but I ended up uh, working at the Illinois Justice Project. and um, after a time, you know, had some real success, but knew I wanted to come back home. Um, and, and there was a, a opening um, at the top, right? Um, and I had been thinking for a long time um, for my first day at the public defender's office, you know, if I had the opportunity uh, to to be um, a person that could help, lead the direction of the office, that that's the opportunity that I wanted to take. Um, So, you know, put together a plan, put together a strategy, um, and uh, was appointed to be the uh, Cook County Public Defender, hoping to lead about 700 people uh, in April of 2021. And it's the greatest honor I've ever had and the greatest job I've ever had. And I'm so proud to be doing this work um, shoulder to shoulder with some of the best attorneys in this this country, um, doing some of the most important work in this country
0: it just must've felt so surreal to get it, like to get that job, to get that, that call and to just be, you know, wow. Like, you know, it's now I have that opportunity like right in front of me.
1: Yeah. You know, it's just, I think that the Public Defender's Office is really a utility for our communities, just like the lights and the water. The fortunate reality is that so many people are caught up into the criminal legal system. I think I read some stat that one out of two people have a family member or loved one uh, in the criminal legal system, right? This is a system that is kind of taking over our society, and our office plays such an important role both in um, you know, shoulder to shoulder representation, um, but also as we expand with community engagement and policy, uh, having the opportunity to help impact the direction of that work um, is really the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, and I, I think um, I'm trying to take advantage of it and, and move this thing in the right direction. So you got into the office, um,
0: you know, roughly two or so years ago, and I think you know, I'm just curious. Uh, with what you can share, obviously, not from, on an external level, you know, what were some of your, you know, key priorities, like getting into that position, moving the yeah. office forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have two very basic jobs, right? I think my, you know, I, I look at it as I want to um, do all that I can to improve the quality of representation that our office pr- provides for poor people in this county, poor residents in this county. Um, that is what the public defender's office does. And uh, my goal is to do all that I can uh, to support our, our investigators and support staff and specialists and attorneys in helping them execute that goal, right? So, my hope is, is that once they kick me out of this gig, uh, we can look around and say, hey, the representation that the public defender's office of Cook County pres- provides is better now than it was, you know, six years ago or 12 years ago or whatever. Um, I think the second goal to do that, right, that is a people business, right? Uh, we need to to get there. We need to. Um, we have people, right? We have attorneys and we have support staff and we have supervisors, and I care about those people. I am one of those people, right? I, 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 I work. This is my first gig, and many of my friends do this work. So to get where I want to go in terms of representation, where we want to go as a representation, I think we have to make this an incredible place to work. Uh, being a public defender being a defender, we call ourselves defenders, whether you're whatever role, being a defender is really difficult. Um, so I think it's important for me to try to make this a great place to work um, in a really tough situation, right? Um, so uh, the first thing is improving the quality of representation. The second is really making this a great place improving um, the experience one has when they do this work. Um, so most of the things I do, I think really all of the things that I do really fit into those two buckets.
0: Um, You know, how, how have you, you met your goals and, and what are you kind of looking towards in the near future?
1: Yeah, I think there are a couple of things that we um, have been working on for, for this two and a half years. I think the first is we want to have ethical caseloads, right? And ethical workloads. Um, uh, Cook County is blessed to have a county board president and a county board of commissioners that are supportive of our office we wanted to take advantage of that uh, great environment and we wanted to really grow um and get to uh the, you know the national caseload and workload standards so a uh, part of that work is really around how do we recruit uh and how do we bring on dynamic uh young attorneys to come do this work and i think that we've done an excellent job uh, there's a lot of work to go of really opening up our office and bringing in, uh, you know, I think two and a half years, we brought in about 100 or so, a little bit over 100 legal professionals into this job um, and finding movement lawyers, finding, you know, they say there are three types of lawyers or three types of public defenders. They're warriors who are just like fighting, you know, fighting the man. They're they're, they're fighting for the Constitution, um, bringing in folks like that. There are reformers, folks that want to make the system a better place. We're bringing in folks like that. And then they're also kind of the caretakers, folks that want to just really help people. And we're bringing in folks like that. And I think the best public defenders have a mix of all three. So we're just trying to find good people. Um, part of that has to also do with kind of how, like what we're providing for, for attorneys who come to do this work. I think it's one thing to offer an opportunity. I think there's another thing to make that opportunity attractive. And one of the big things that we've really focused in on is our training. Um, there's kind of a kind of a, I think a vibe early, you know, when I was coming into the office of that, this is a trial by fire type job, right, and you come in, we throw you in, and you know, you learn, you live and you learn and there's definitely um, something be said about ex- experiential learning. Um, but the reality of the situation that it was unacceptable that I got a day of training and then became uh, got 100 cases. Um, that's not the way it rocks anymore here. You know, we have this really cool five-week program um, where we bring you in and we try to, you know, teach a trial ad and, and, and teach you about this office. They're both hard skills and soft skills. You learn things about how what it means to be a lawyer, but you also think, learn things about what it means to be a public defender, putting you in front of former clients and putting you in restorative justice circles and really giving you the opportunity to start your career off on the right foot. So we've spent a lot of time doing that. We've also just spent a lot of time um, thinking about what it means to be a defender, and you know what, you know wellness opportunities one has, uh, you know what opportunities people have to grow and be promoted, um, what opportunities somebody has to move move across the office, and we try to make this a better place to work. And we've also tried, you know, our day job is obviously shoulder to shoulder representation with folks and doing that at the highest levels. So all uh, you know the training and all the opportunity it's important to that. We also understand there's a role outside of the office. Uh, We wanna take the experiences that our defenders have and apply that to kind of the outside world. So whether it's working on our community engagement, we know the public defenders don't have the best reputation sometimes and really telling the story about how we are improving but we're impactful to communities, but also using our experiences to affect the laws, right? The policies, the procedures that govern criminal law we know that for decades, policy prosecutors and police have been able to basically write the laws at their leisure. Um, and it's only been a small minority voice that's been able to push back on all the mass incarceration and push back on all the wrongful convictions and over-incarceration. And we've wanted to build a policy team uh, that can help turn around that. And we've built a strong policy team as well and the communication staff um, that uh, I think we are in a better place now than we were. Um, based upon the great work that previous public defenders like Amy Campanelli has done, um, really kind of improve that space. Um, so that's where we're at. You
0: no, know, I think there's a few things. One is, and I just want to clarify this is off topic, but you know, we we it's called the Cook County Public Defender's Office. And just for like the listeners, you know, I think, you know, just just a segue into a little bit of history. I think that. Um, every public defender's office in the country, right. is kind of managed by like a different government entity. Some are nonprofits, some are run by the city. Uh, this public defender's office is run through the county government, right? So you said the Cook County yep. board president, our very own Tony Preckwinkle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this kind of falls under her, her purview. It's not, yep. it's not Mayor Johnson.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a county, um, office. So, Um, For those who don't know Cook County is the second largest county, I think, uh, in the country. It is Chicago and many of its suburbs. So about half the county is Chicago, about half the county is kind of the suburbs. And, you know, we practice in like 13 or 14 different courtrooms uh, all across the county. And um, We are excited that we have a county board president um, that has supported us. And it's not just like words on a page. Um, In the last two and a half years, we've been able to grow our budget by about $20 million, um, which has allowed us to hire um, uh, um, you know, over a hundred legal professionals and um, add to our ranks in both, you know, support staff, investigators, and specialists like caseworkers and mitigators and and folks of that that nature. So, um, you know, we're excited for what we're growing. Um, we are far from where we need to be. Um, you know, public defense has I would don't want to say it's been defunded. It like never really was a funded. <laughs> at appropriate levels. And uh, we believe that the residents of, of Cook County deserve, um, the poor residents of the Cook County deserve a quality defense. They deserve a quality lawyer. Um, we know that our criminal legal system has gotten it wrong many times. And there are lots of problems with the criminal legal system. But one of the biggest ones is access to a, a great counsel. And uh, we're building something special, um, not because I'm here, but because we have a monopoly of incredible advocates in all different types of fields um, that are doing this work day in and day out. And it's my job to serve them. Uh, I work for them um, and I'm trying to do the best that I can to allow for them to do the best that they can for the clients. Uh, They truly deserve it. They are my brothers and sisters. They are folks that look like me. They are my neighbors um, and I'm here to serve them. You know, before we move forward, I just
0: wanted to go back quickly to, you know, what you were saying about, you know, instituting, you know, this five-week training process. I think I said, you know, earlier on in the podcast, you know, trial by fire scares a lot of people. I have been privy to trial by fire. I have been burned. And I, when I, you know, I worked in city government, like that's just kind of a lot of jobs. Just like, you know, welcome. And here here you go. And I just think, you know, I would imagine that so many young attorneys or new attorneys are so appreciative of like that five-week process that, you know, introduces them to not just, you know, the day to day of like you know this is how a trial goes right, but it's kind of like holistic. You know, you mentioned these restorative justice circles and these other types
1: of trainings, right? Yeah, I think it's really important for us, and I I don't want to act as if like we're perfect. Like we're we're building something, right? Um, I think that uh, are the training and support that we provide for all of our defenders. Hopefully, I think it will be better now than it was before, but hopefully it'll be better in two years than it was now. And hopefully it'll be better in five years than it was two years ago, two years in the future. Um, we're always trying to build this thing up. You know, We are you know, taking a new stance, and a new position on what it means to grow folks um, in, in their professional career. Um, so I'm just really excited to have the opportunity uh, to help assist in, in that work and really build on the great work that we've seen. Um, there have been so many great public defenders in in, in Cook County, uh, whether we're talking about Ed Burnett or Rita Fry or Randolph Stone, uh, these are people that um, fought the good fight, um, and I'm just trying to sit and you know step in their footsteps and be half of who they are, and I'm just trying to be supportive of people who I think have made um, an incredible sacrifice. Uh, many of the people that we work that, that work in this office, you know, it's a pretty you get a pretty decent salary. Uh, but they could be doing things that could get them more money or or more prestige, um, but they choose to serve their community. Uh, they choose to live a life in service. Um, and um, I just want to do that all I can for them. They're, they're doing all they can for our communities. Um, they deserve uh, the same from their management, and I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can to to support that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you you know, anyone, you know, who's ever talked to a public defender anywhere, really, right? And that's not to serve as a blanket statement, but more as like a majority statement, I'd say that you meet public defenders, they are passionate, passionate people, they care deeply about the work they do. And I think you can say as much as true for Cook County, right? But you can say that for really any public defender's office around the country. And in ways that I think, you know, you might not find in such a strong way, and maybe other types of legal professions. But again, I don't mean to say that to denigrate other legal professions. It's just it's it's really inspiring, you know, hearing and you know, speaking to public defenders about the passion for the work, right?
1: Yeah, and there's also the importance that you can't eat passion, right? You can't put passion in your bank account. Um, so not only do you get an opportunity to 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 to, to work in a field where you can kind of dis- display your passion here at the Cook County Public Defender's Office you don't have to like you know be in poverty to do that work right we I'm really excited I'm really proud that we are a strong union shop and the union has been able to secure a strong benefits package and a strong salary so um, um, you know we are one of the higher paid public defender's offices in the country um, and uh, you know you don't have to uh, you know, you are sacrificing, right? There are probably things you could do that could get you more money, but uh, you can raise a family. Um, um, you can um, have a good savings um, and you can do this work. Um, and it's come up to me. It's the best of both worlds. It's the opportunity to be able to live a good lifestyle, but also uh, serve folks. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about um, the work that we do here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a relief to hear you say things like this, because I think that, you know, law school, um you know for all all its pros I think that you know sometimes as a student it's like it's scary it's like you know you're yeah. looking towards the future and you're like oh my god like am I about to just be drowning in work for the rest of my life or for like the next five years and you know it's just it you know I know it's not always, I think a lot of people know it's not always true but it's nice to hear it from someone like you that you know it's possible to to have a life outside
1: of work you know it's yeah. it's important to balance. Yeah, work life balance, I think, it's important. Our chief of staff in our first all, I guess, all staff meeting talked about it's okay not to be okay. And we want to, uh, we know, acknowledge this is tough work. And we, as management, want to do um, all that we can uh, to support people. Um, There's still our goal is to provide the best legal services for our clients, right? So that is primary. There's no doubt about that. And, and we ask for standards. We've created standards that allow for that to happen, uh, but that doesn't mean that 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 people can't be supported, um, and that doesn't mean that people this isn't a good place, a strong place, a safe place to work and, and do your thing. And we're just really excited about the opportunities that we're building here. You
0: know, similarly on the topic of, you know, you know your future goals. I kind of want to dive in a little bit here on you know I think something we've mentioned a couple of times so far today is, you know, your role in on the policy, the advocacy side of things, but now it's really turning into, you know, implementation of some of your advocacy, right? I think specifically talking about cash bail, I'm going to put you on blast. And I know you hate it. But the National Lawyers Guild for all for all of you who don't know National Lawyers Guild, we have a chapter here at Loyola Chicago School of Law is honoring you with the Arthur Canoy People's Law Award, along with two others on this upcoming Saturday for your role in, you know, advocating and helping pass uh, the Pretrial Fairness Act. And I'm sure upon entering your role, you had, you, the implementation of this was on your mind, right? And can, you know, I was hoping you can tell, you know, listeners a bit about, you know, one, what the Pretrial Fairness Act did. And obviously, you know, your advocacy and the work that you got that you put in, you know, on getting it passed, along with a coalition of many other incredible advocates. Uh, And then, you know, segueing into how your office is playing a role in its implementation on a day to day.
1: Yeah, I was incredibly blessed. You know, I left the public defender's office the first time, knowing Mm -hmm. that I would eventually go back but I wanted to take the experience that I had and, and be able to apply it on a policy level. And I found a coalition um, of uh, advocates and legal professionals and, um, you know, clergy members and organizers um, that were was sick of a system uh, that put price tags on people's freedom. Um, sometimes as a public defender, I felt like as a kind of like a uh, ransom negotiator, you know, I was negotiating with judges and with prosecutors, um, price tags, right? um uh, how much a family had to put up to gain their their, their loved ones freedom. Uh, and it was a process I just didn't like. Um, and I was lucky in the sense that there were others that were also disaffected by this process. Um, so for seven years, people, and the, this, this started long ago, well before seven years, but seven years ago, the coalition and money bond came together. There were lots of different organizations working on this and work was going on inside government as well to reduce the jail population, but the coalition um, officially formed and I got a chance to work with the coalition um, in my role at the Illinois Justice Project and um, we um were able to succeed um on a different bunch of different steps, but it kind of culminated in twenty twenty one. Uh, With the signing of the Pretrial Fairness Act, uh, a law that I think the top billing is that it ends the use of money bond in Illinois, but it's actually so much more. It is like a true facelift of the decision making process uh, that we go through as lawyers in deciding whether somebody is going to be in jail before their trial or, or be free before their trial. The law before was a patchwork of conflicting, contradictory laws that really made no sense together. And the Pretrial Fairness Act, which was a part of the larger Safety Act, I think really created a a really well, well-needed, well-deserved facelift to the pretrial process. And uh, you mentioned that award. um, There are three people being honored. Um, but there were thousands of people that worked on this, whether you were um, a lawyer uh, or organizer or a member of clergy or community people, community member, there were thousands of people working on it. Um, but I got a chance to, I'm going to be honored with two people that are far more important than me in this work. Uh, Charlene Grace, who is, um, for some silly reason, followed me over from uh, the Chicago Community Bond Fund, where she was a, a founding member, and is now working uh, running our policy work at the Public Defender's Office, uh, and Sarah Stout, um, who is one of those brilliant people in the world, um, who at the time was working at Chicago Appleseed for Fair Courts, um, and these two just did so much work when it came to both the construction of the law and the work to kind of you know pass the law. I'm just so honored to be in their presence, and I got a chance to work with them for a very long time. And I'm so glad that they're being honored uh, for all this great work that they did.
0: Yeah, and you know, I can say, you know, I think that they are amazing, and I think you know the whole coalition was amazing, right? I think that you know, coincidentally, uh, maybe not coincidentally, but you know, you three are all lawyers, right? But you know. The coalition had a lot of people that weren't lawyers, right? Like they weren't former public defenders. They didn't go to law school, but they felt so strongly about, you know, the inequities in these processes, right? Um, That I think were just accepted for so long. It's just kind of how it is, right? Like, I just think people were like, you know, like, why are we changing it? This is just how it's always been. And it's just great. It was just such a diverse coalition of people.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of this work gets done. This is a giant face up that we can talk about, but this doesn't get done if it's just lawyers talking to lawyers. Um, You know, I'm married to a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Lots of my friends are lawyers. I I know it's cliche to kind of talk down on lawyers. I think lawyers are, 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 many of them are great people. Uh, But the reality of the situation is that we think in a certain way and we think kind of small, see conservatively on many issues. Um, And it took people from outside of our. Group to decide that this practice was not only archaic, it's racist, it's classes, and it's just broken. And we need to turn this around. We shouldn't be putting a price tag on people's freedom. You know, we grow up, we teach our young people that we got rid of practices that put people price tags on people's freedom long ago. But the reality of the situation is, in Illinois, we now just now can say that with honesty that we've we've uh, we don't put price tags on people's freedom anymore um it was a terrible awful process um and on you know september um september 16th i think uh the law became in effect and we are now um working on implementing the law you talked about it i kind of worked myself into a trick bag because i worked on fighting for the law it's all um, part of the plan <laughs> yeah i worked on fighting for the law and i should be just like okay it's gotten done somebody will help to take care of uh, of making it happen and like just a couple months after it got signed, I kind of jumped into the hot seat of making sure that it actually is implemented in the right way because we wanna end cash bond. We don't want people paying ransoms. We wanna keep those tens of million dollars in people's pockets. Uh, but we also want to do this in a way um, that doesn't you know, explode the jail population. We wanna reduce unnecessary pretrial incarceration. And this law I think is special because it not only ends the practice of cash bond, but it has the potential to do it in a way that doesn't explode the jail population, that actually decreases the jail population, uh, because we know pretrial incarceration is such a just, we know from the Supreme Court that it's supposed to be the exception to the rule. Uh, that's what the Supreme Court says. Um, and um, sometimes it isn't, right? Sometimes we have used it as a default. In fact, oftentimes we use it as a default and overuse of pretrial incarceration has really been the front door of mass incarceration. Um, And this gives us an opportunity uh, to not rely on pretrial incarceration uh, so much as a society. And um, getting both of those things done was really important. And at the Public Defender's Office, we've been at the kind of center of those implementation challenges.
0: Such a big part, right, about the advocacy, you know, but also the continued implementation of these reforms is the messaging around them, right? And like, how do reforms as substantial and amazing as these, how do these, you know, positively impact communities, right? And I just think, you know, there is a lot of, you know, some call it, you know, being the devil's advocate, you know, I may call it fear mongering around these types of reforms, right? And I think that, you know, in the past, I've heard you you know, it's hard to simplify, but, you know, you've kind of, you broke, and you've mentioned, you kind of hinted at it, right? These like, this is a four bucket issue, right? It's kind of like, this is family justice, this is economic justice, criminal justice. And then, you know, as we proceed through COVID, it's also kind of a health justice issue, right? Yeah, I, and I think absolutely. that it's important, right, to kind of find ways to communicate the impact these reforms have um, in a in a positive light.
1: Yeah, using money to make determinations about who should be in jail, who should out of jail it's always been a broken promise, a broken proposition, uh, I should say. Um, And uh, it has led to uh, the over-incarceration. You know, at one point we had 10,000 people uh, in Cook County Jail in Cook County. Through a number of reforms, has you know reduced that. And we believe that the Pretrial Fairness Act will you know continue those reforms and and bring reforms to the entire state. Um, and it's really about: should we just be relying on money, or should we be creating these full hearings where we can make real strong determinations about who should be in and who should be out? We should be building data collection, and we should be building a strong appellate process. Uh, to allow for us to make those decisions. The standards should be clear and not conflicting. Um, so we can kind of get into depth on, on, on those stuff or we can leave it at this. It's just a better way of making these decisions and Uh, The key will be, um, I think you're right, you know, public narratives. Um, There are certainly people out there that want to see this fail, um, either whether they're one of those small C lawyers who just can't imagine a world uh, without cash bond, or if they're folks with more political um, aims that believe that this is an opportunity to gain political power um, by demonizing and telling lies about what these reforms are. So. my mentor somebody you also worked for, Paula Wolf, always talks about you know passing the law is one thing that's like fifty percent of the task. The other fifty cent percent is actually implementing it, and uh, we're doing that and also trying to win this public narrative fight. Of course, I want to dive into the depths a little bit. I mean, look, I think you
0: know again, like I think so much of advocacy work. It's, you know, it's so much work on the front end, but then once the once the advocacy succeeds, not that it always does, but when it does, you know, what does the day-to-day look like? And I think I'm just curious, I think a lot of, you know, fellow law students um, at Loyola who I've spoken to are also just curious, like, what, is this, what does this change really look like yeah. in the courtroom? Like, how does this kind of change, like, the trial process for an individual that, you know, is accused of a crime?
1: Yeah, so, you know, before the Pretrial Fairness Act, you would go in front of a judge if you were accused of a felony um, or even a misdemeanor very quickly, um, you know, within you know a couple of days. And that judge would make a determination about what happens to you uh, while you're waiting for, waiting your case to be resolved. And really, there were kind of three big options. You know, option number one was you would be detained, right? Um, the case would still go on, but you would be detained. Option number two was you'd be released. Again, the case would still go on, but you would be released and be able to kind of fight the case. But at least in Cook County, and I think it's probably fair to say uh, in every county uh, or most counties, the the biggest option, the most used option was a combination of three, uh, one one and two. The third option was cash bond. Uh, You were eligible to be released, uh, but you had to essentially pay a ransom uh, to the government to secure that release. And we know that the vast majority of people in the criminal legal system are poor. The Public Defender's Office of Cook County represents the vast majority of people accused of crimes. You only get a public defender if you can't afford one of att- the attorney of your own. So the vast majority of people are poor. Um, using money, and, and typically wasn't the person's ac- accused person either couldn't afford it, uh, or they would rely on family members, really mainly Black women, Black and black Brown women, Black mothers, Brown mothers, um, you know, sisters, aunts churchgoers, grandmas, partners, to pay that bill. And people were making all types of incredible decisions, pay rent or pay the bill, pay for the lights to stay on or pay for bail. Um, and it, so we, we've we kind of moved from three options, right? To two options. So now it's an in or out process. Now, one of the things that people say is, well, okay, if we move from three options, uh, release, detention, or cash bond, to two options, release or detain. Well, doesn't that mean that, you know, judges will just detain everybody um and we'll just explode the jail population? And the thing about this law is that it is very, very, very um detailed in Kind of who is eligible for detention, right? So you have to meet a certain eligibility criteria to be detained pretrial, and there's certain standards that have to be met. A prosecutor has to file for detention. There has to be a hearing. They have to prove that you were charged with the eligible defense, and they have to make a claim either that you are um, a risk of flight from prosecution, um, or you know a public safety standard, um, a risk to an individual uh, to be to to be met. Uh, before a person is attained, right? So um, both these standards that have to be be met and the eligibility requirements um, put us in a situation where there isn't this like overuse of pretrial detention, especially for low-level cases, but it also kind of reduces the amount of cases that are going to detention so that we can really dig in Um, and we can really have these elevated arguments uh, about what should happen to a person when a state wants to detain a person. So we're moving from a situation where years ago bond hearings lasted on average 37 seconds to uh, more like a New Jersey model where these hearings are taking 20 minutes um, or longer hearings um, because these decisions are really important. Uh, We know that the decision on whether somebody should be detained pre-trial is probably more important than any decision short of innocence or guilt. We know when somebody is detained pretrial, they're far more likely to plead guilty and far more likely to serve a longer sentence than those with the same allegations who get to enjoy pretrial freedom. So this is a really important decision and this entire law really makes sure that, that decision is more is, is well-reasoned um, and it's just made in, in, in a better way. It creates a, it creates a better platform for us to make these important decisions. You know, as
0: you mentioned before, I think the justifications for you know cash bail in the first place, right, or flight to d- deter people, you know, leaving the state, running away, and to deter people that might be a threat um, to the community again before they're um, afforded an opportunity to be on trial. So, how, what does that, you know, risk assessment, what does that look like now for judges?
1: Yeah, you know, there's a risk assessment tool that is used in Cook County, and there's lots of kind of back and forth about whether uh, these algorithmic risk assessment tools are effective, but we've had one here in Cook County for quite some time. Um, I think the first thing, and let me take a step back. One of the things that's underreported, right, is that the vast majority of people in the criminal legal system who are accused of a offense come back to court and they are not accused of any other offenses, right? And if you watch the news, I think you would think that that occurrence happens a lot more than what it does. But the reality reality of the situation is that the vast majority of people come back to court and they are not accused of other offenses. Um, So we should start from there. We also know that the like paying a bond, right? Like people say, well, if you don't have to pay a bond, right? Then there's no reason to come to court. Well, we actually know that's not true. We actually know that actually paying a bond actually makes people less likely to come back to court. and actually makes people more likely to be accused of new offenses. And people think like, why? That makes no sense, right? Why is that? And the reality of the situation is that when you take that money out of a community, you take that money out of a person's pocket or a family member's pocket, you actually increase the stress on that, on that person, right? So, uh, or if you would detain that person, you increase the stress on that person, right? In terms of you cut off their education, right? People typically lose any educational opportunities. People typically lose their job. People lose any benefits that they may be receiving. And there's more economic strain on the person when the person is incarcerated, even in short terms. So actually, short terms of pretrial incarceration and making people pay money bonds actually increases the criminogenic factors that we're actually trying to get away from by using money bond and by using pretrial incarceration. So we're actually making our communities less safe by overlying on these two things. And we know that there are plenty of jurisdictions that have decided that money bond is not something that we should be doing, like New Jersey. New Jersey didn't fully end money bond, but they effectively ended it. And they did it in 2017, right? So it's not some type of crazy experiment. We know that the federal system and the juvenile system rarely uses money as well. Um, So this idea that you need money bond for people to return to court, Um, That if you don't have money bond, that nobody will come back to court. It's just a broken model. And we've seen both in Cook County, uh, that is, as we reduce our use of money bond throughout the years until we're at the point now where we've ended it, we know that those kind of common sense, you know, for people they think it's common sense, it's actually not true. Um, And we're seeing lots of success.
0: I just think there's so many... Misconceptions about, you know, the effects that the legal system have on has on you know people and their communities and their families and their loved ones and their friends. and and honestly, frankly, just not just their neighborhoods and their communities, but our society as a whole. And I just, you know, this is such an incredible step in the right direction. I mean, you know, as a lifelong advocate, I know you understand, right? Like this is not, you know, it's hard to hang your hat up on this and to kind of go home, right? Like you you didn't. And I think that, you know, a lot of people recognize like this is a legitimate reform and it's an amazing success, but it, you know, it's a lifelong journey of advocacy, uh, you know, for reforms to the criminal legal system such as this. But I just kind of want, you know, before we leave today, I just want to give you an opportunity, you know, for the students listening, right? Um, you know, if you had to say, you know, quick, you know, hopefully this whole episode has been a bit of a pitch for the Cook County Public Defender's Office because it's <laughs> amazing work, right? But, you know, what would you say to students that are, you know, interested in this?
1: Yeah, I, I think that if you're thinking about this work, um, try to do all that you can to connect with people that do the work, and I would try out an internship, right? Right. Um, I think this is incredibly impactful work. I think it's great work, um, especially for a young advocate to get started in or a young advocate to find their career. Um, But it's not for everybody. Um, I think it's, you know, I think it's great work and an internship, I think, is really the best opportunity to really learn um, what this work is whether it's with cook county whether it's one of the um you know new york offices or the california offices there are great offices down south like in miami-dade or the New orleans office uh taking this on work on in the internship i think is a great opportunity uh to 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 see if this is for you um, but i think it's for a lot of people um it was for me um and for a lot of folks, we have about 490 or so attorneys in the public defender's office here in Cook County, uh, who are doing, um, I think, incredible work, and it's just, it's just such a great gig.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, we're kind of circling back. It's almost as if I, I carefully planned it. <laughs> but going back to our roots here, you know, you started talking about, you know, your favorite type of course yeah. in law, and ty- favorite type of course in law school. But I'm just curious, you know, now that you're feeling a little more comfortable with the advocate, with the listeners, with our community, if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing maybe what your least favorite course in law school was.
1: Well, you know, I pumped out um, the first time you asked this question about your favorite course, but I feel very strongly about my least favorite course. I feel confident now. You've lulled me into a sense of security. That's uh, the goal. That's the goal, right? Secure transactions was a trash experience that I never wanted to have to deal with ever again. It was the worst course Uh I'm sure the people that love it, the people out there making a lot of money, they're learning secure transactions, and I'm sure they are very happy. Uh, For me, uh, it was the worst experience of my life. I don't know why I did it, um, but I did it, and I hope to never have to think about uh, a secure transaction ever again. Uh, Final answer, secure transactions, worst law school class of all time.
0: I respect the honesty, sir. And I think I'll follow <laughs> in your footsteps, man. I mean, those, those, those transactions, watch, watch watch out for them. Yes, watch out for them. Awesome, man. Well, Sharon, again, thank you so much. You know, this is my inaugural episode. I'm looking forward to my, you know, my career on the Podvocate, but, you know, starting it off, you know, hosting you was just, it's every type of way I could have imagined to start off. And I just really appreciate your time, man. And I think that the listeners, I hope, I hope, you enjoy listening to Sharon, because there's more, there's keep an eye out for him. There's more.
1: Yeah. And keep an eye for the office. You know, we're obviously on social media. We're always posting, uh, whether we're talking about job opportunities or just kind of the work that we do, uh, in the criminal justice space. So Ben, thank you much, so much for having me. I, so honored to be uh, your first guest, and I, I know that this is going to be a really exciting opportunity for your peers to learn about this work, uh, whether it's public defense work or or other, um, you know, pieces. I'm just really, really blessed that I got a chance to chop it up with you today, brother.
0: And that is all from us here at the Pop Kit. Thanks again for joining us today. Our team does want to hear from you. And if there is a topic you want the show to cover, please email us at thepodvocate at gmail.com. And also please visit our website at thepodvocate.com for more information on this episode and our guests. The Podvocate is produced by WLUW, the student-run independent radio station broadcasting from the School of Communications at Loyola University, Chicago. Our editors-in-chief are Nekka Ugu and Andy Vandenbush. Our senior editors are Casey Callahan and Marcus McNeil. Our associate editors are Johannes Alvarez Rivero, Karan Kashal, Maris Medina, and of course, me, Ben Recht. Special thanks to Associate Director of Student Affairs, Professor Radhika Sutherland, and Dean Stephen Russian for providing the resources and support to make this show possible. And finally, from Loyola University Chicago School of Law, this has been the pot the kit.